Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so how are you doing this morning? Oh. I'm doing great. Spring is here in Washington. It's beautiful. The plants are growing. Um, birds are singing. Yeah, yeah. We're getting a little bit of rain, but a lot of it's been coming at night. We've, uh, you know, in spite of the, the lockdown, we're still uh, getting some really nice weather. So we've been able to uh, spend some time outside. And, and you're right, uh, some, the plants are growing, a lot of weeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a bunch of, uh, I think, they're, what are they, raspberry bushes or blackberry bushes? They're kind of going a little crazy. Black, they're blackberry bushes. Blackberry uh, bushes grow like weeds here in Washington, which is fun in August because then you get to pick them and eat them. Yeah. But um, they, can, they definitely have a lot of uh, scratches on my legs from tramps and through them. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my God. Yeah, I got, uh, we uh, play with the dog outside with the, he likes to play with a tennis ball and a chuck it. And uh, it, we live on a kind of a busy road and they're out in front in our yard and they, they kind of, they kind of create a really nice fence because he mm-hmm. is very careful going around those bramble bushes or you know, raspberry, blackberry bushes. Uh, he he tiptoes in them very mm-hmm. carefully. He doesn't want to hurt his little paws. <laughs> uh, so on today's episode, we're going to talk about rhythmic dosing. Uh, the title of this one is uh, how to cycle hormones, um, but we're specifically going to you know, talk about the difference between or the two options, the two main philosophies for hormone replacement, static dosing, which is the more common type, uh, and then rhythmic dosing, which is um, in some ways maybe our favorite, or at least my favorite anyways, uh, you know, in the right circumstance. Uh, it's not right for everybody, but you know, there's certain situations where I think it's the right situation for men pretty much across the board. Um, but we'll uh, kind of discuss some of those. Uh, so uh, why don't we dive in and uh, first let's talk about the static dosing, kind of what that inv- involves and entails, not every aspect of it, but just an overview. And then we'll come back around and uh, talk a little bit more about the rhythmic dosing. Exactly. With bioidentical hormone replacement, uh, static dosing has been kind of like the norm or probably what people think of when doing the hormone replacement. But the rhythmic dosing has been around for a long time, and it's a completely different way to dispense and dose hormones. Um, Like Dr. Mackey said, is it's not that we have one that's a favorite. It really just depends on the individual because with bioidentical hormones in general, I mean, you have to tailor it specifically to that person, whether it's male or female, because you can cycle hormones with men, you can cycle hormones with females. But in terms of the static dosing, that's where you're taking a particular dose of the hormones every day, same dose, you know, 24-7. Yeah, right. Excuse me. Uh, We're the, the rhythmic dosing, and as with most hormones in the body, if not all hormones in the body, they tend to have their own, you know, literally their own rhythmic pattern. Um, they oscillate. They rise, they fall, they rise, they fall, they rise, they fall. Uh, where in the static dosing, like you said, it's just same dose every day. There's no change to that dosage over a course of a given month. Or really, you might change the overall dosage from a certain, let's say, from 2 milligrams to 3 milligrams or from 4 to 5 milligrams, but it just stays the same every single day. 
Exactly. So you might be doing an estrogen component for that hormone replacement, like a biased, and you might be doing, like Dr. Mackey said, maybe two milligrams twice a day, two milligrams once a day, but it's every day is the same. Granted, you know, we have patients that, oh, I forgot to take it today, and that's okay, but for the most part, it's pretty easy because you don't have to really think about it. You just think, hey, it's time to take my hormones. You know exactly what dose to take. Yeah, right. And then, uh, of course, that would, uh, with the estrogen component, there'd be a paired with that some type of progesterone. Uh, the way that we prefer to do it with the static dosing is we would provide some type of a capsule progesterone, usually 100 milligrams. So they, like you said, they would take their est- their bias twice a day, morning and evening. They take their progesterone at night. Uh, and that dose, you know, unless we change the overall, the total amount, that dose over a course of a, of a week or a month or, you know, until that concentration was increased, it, the dose would never change. Now we're talking about the basically sex hormones. Like for women, it'd be estrogen and progesterone, possibly a little bit of testosterone. And for men, it would be testosterone. We're not necessarily talking about, you know, thyroid doses or that kind of thing. But with, with the hormone replacement for the, basically the sex hormones, static dosing is convenient. You know, you can travel with it. You don't have to think about it. It's one way that you can dose the hormones, especially, you know, for menopause, for menopausal females, because their ovaries are no longer producing hormones. It's a great way to give somebody some hormones without doing too much hormones, but just enough to kind of help with, you know, with brain, with cardiovascular, with bone density, um, with anti-aging. So um, sometimes I'll pick more static type dosing if we're keeping the hormones a little bit to the minimum, where we had talked about the rhythmic dosing, that that actually is a little bit different because when you think about rhythmic dosing, or actually you just think about a, a cycling female, they their hormones are being produced. You basically ovulate right around day 14, your estrogen peaks on day 12, your progesterone peaks on day 21. And really in a cycling female, you don't make progesterone until after ovulation. So when you're doing a rhythmic style, it's completely different than doing a static dose. Yeah, right. The whole point of the rhythmic dosing is you're you're basically trying to recreate uh, the classic 28-day cycle for a female. Uh, And a female cycle is broken up. If you looked at it, if you graphed it out, and these are all over the internet, uh, you know, um, there are probably even if you go to the gynecologist's office, they probably have these charts on the wall uh, where you see the changes over the course of that 28 days and how the hormones are changing as a result. So like you said, you have a peak on day 12. That's where your estrogen level is the highest. That is kind of the hallmark of the follicular phase. You ovulate right in the middle, day 14, day 15. That usually coincides with a peak of testosterone. Uh, And then day 20, day 21, you have a peak of progesterone. That kind of hallmarks the luteal phase. Uh, Now, granted, that's a lot of moving parts for a woman, you know, for her hormones to be changing. That's why the cycle gets you know, sometimes that's why there's problems with the cycle because there are so many moving parts. Men don't really, men still have their own rhythm, um, but it's not quite so convoluted like the female cycle is. So when, like Dr. Mackey said, in that rhythmic dosing of the female hormones, you really are recreating the same levels of hormones in your blood, in your body that you would be, you know, as a 28 year old female. So you think that can be a lot of hormones and some women do amazing on it. They love it. It's great. Where maybe there's another individual that's more sensitive or we don't necessarily want to do those levels of hormones. Then doing a static dose where you can have a little bit lower level. So when you do test it, their blood work, their blood work is still showing kind of age appropriate. You just have a little slight increase in the hormones to help with whatever symptoms and anti-aging and, you know, moving forward with their own personal goals. 
Yeah. And the real big distinction, like how do you decide between static dosing as the practitioner or as the patient, how do you decide between static dosing or rhythmic dosing? And the really big thing, if you, if I mention, and I know you do the same, if you mention rhythmic dosing to a woman and you say, well, if you have your uterus still, you're going to get a period. Uh, the majority of women are really not, you know, they don't want to be in their fifties and, and, and start their period again. Uh, so if that's the case, if they're not interested in having a period, then the static dosing is their option. Okay, now that will work, uh, like you said, as long as that dosage stays relatively on the lower side, um, or if they start having some bleeding trouble because they still have their uterus, they might, in some ways, they might it might be necessary, depending on their symptom level, it might be necessary for them to transition to rhythmic dosing, depending on how, how they respond to the dosing. Yeah, like you said, a lot of women are like, what? I'm going to get a period back? Been there, done that, don't want to do that again. But at the same time, when you're cycling the rhythmic dosing of hormones with that female, the period that they're going to get is going to be a nice period. Not like, oh my gosh, I had horrendous periods back when my 20s. I don't want to go through that again. You won't go through that again. We cycle the hormones in a nice dose that it should have been level to create just a moderate period. But again, not everybody wants to have a period. Yeah, right. Like you said before on other podcasts, estrogen is a great hormone, but sometimes it can be a little bit of a runaway freight train. So if a woman was estrogen dominant when she was 35, uh, you know, when we're trying to recreate what the body does, uh, you're not going to necessarily become estrogen dominant all over again and have all of those symptoms. More than likely, it is going to kind of balance out. It's going to be a little bit of a smoother transition. Uh, there still will be some PMS symptoms, quote unquote, with the rhythmic dosing as there sort of should be. But the severity of those symptoms, the seven to 10 days before you start bleeding, the severity of those symptoms give us uh, a little bit of feedback and some information that things might not be in balance. And now those estrogen progesterone levels or something else, the adrenals need to be adjusted a little bit. Uh, you know, so that way, you know, she's not having so many PMS symptoms uh, in the middle of the month. And that also comes to testing as well. So you think, hey, menopausal, the ovaries have retired. They've left the building, rightly so. They deserve it. When you're going to test somebody's blood, you might want to, you could test it any day. Because every dose, you know, your dose is the same every single day in a static dose. But in a rhythmic dose, you know, you're actually recreating that cycle, that 28-day cycle that if you're going to test, you have to do it, you know, usually around day 12, you're going to test the estrogen, day 20, around day 21 if you're going to test the progesterone. So you actually have to do a little bit of timing there. Yeah, right. And with... with uh, that's, that's our dog. If you're hearing a little clunkiness in the background, he's chewing on a bone, he's stretching... Yeah. He's laying down. <laughs> he's a, he's usually good for the first few minutes and then he gets a little bit uh, uh, rambunctious and now he wants to go outside or do something. Uh, hopefully he doesn't make too many, too much more noise. Hopefully it's not. Uh, it doesn't bother you. Yeah, Sorry. It doesn't, it doesn't pick it up. But we can't do this without him. If we left him outside the room or something, he would, you know, he would not rest until he was able to lay at our feet. Uh, he is underfoot constantly. <laughs> If anyone's ever had an Australian shepherd, um, you know, I think they're all that way. I think it's a kind of a breed specific thing. Uh, so the, uh, the, the period is the big distinction, right? That is the, in the rhythmic dose or excuse me, in the static dose. And we don't want there to be any bleeding, right? That's what the oral progesterone is there to do is to inhibit the growth of uterine lining. So that's where we prefer to use, uh, a bioidentical sustained release progesterone capsule. 
usually 100 milligrams, something like that. That is going to inhibit the growth of the uterine lining as they're taking the estrogen. Uh, and that's enough to usually control symptoms, get rid of the hot flashes, get rid of the night sweats, improve insomnia. Uh, and then some of those other kind of, you know, the brain, the bones. Uh, Libido, sex yeah, drive. Yeah, yeah. And remember, the estrogen is always a cream. I mean, some people do some estrogens as capsules, but we really avoid that because progesterone is fine to go through the digestive system as a capsule, as an oral, but for the estrogens, we always use it as a cream because it's it's very hard when you take it orally. It burdens the liver. You don't really absorb it very well. So so know that you know, when they're doing a static dose, they're going to do a separate type of, est- whether it's a biased or an estriol, um, I mean, uh, now, now we don't, you know, now we don't do any kind of estrone, but usually it's a combination of estriol and estradiol, but that's usually going to be a cream. And then you take that progesterone at night and you have your same dose, you know, every day. Yeah. Right. So like in menopause, uh, a woman is no longer cycling. So her hormones basically fall to a, you know, to, they kind of flatline a little bit. There's no more peaks. There's no more elevation. It's the same all month long. And all we're trying to really do in the static dosing is just raise the baseline. Um, that's usually enough to control symptoms and make them feel better. You know, that's what most women are looking for. Uh, now, if we kind of ramp that up a little bit, and if they're okay with having a menstrual cycle, now, if they don't have their uterus, uh, then it, in some ways, it's kind of the best of both worlds, right? They get the higher levels of the hormones, but they don't have to deal with the period, even though having the period still gives us some good information. It's a landmark. It tells us uh, that things are in balance because how smooth that transition is. On the day that the period shows up, whether it's, you know, it's a 28-day protocol, if it shows up on day 20, some some uh, levels need to be adjusted. If it shows up on day 25, 26, 27, 28, that's usually pretty normal. Uh, so it gives you, uh, you know, the practitioner anyways, it gives a lot of information. Uh, the fact that a woman is having a period and from a safety perspective, the fact that there's a predictable period every so often, uh, that's what makes it an okay period. Uh, now that's a part that, you know, is, I think in some ways probably the controversial part of 50 or a 60 year old woman still having a period that kind of freaks some people out. Why would you do that on purpose? But because she's having a period is what makes it okay. Yeah. Cause you're cycling the estrogen and progesterone like it would be, you know, when you're cycling, when you're 25 years old, you know, when you're 30 years old. So having that cycle where you would never use those levels of hormones statically in a female that's taking it every single day, and you'd want to test those hormones, you'd want to do some, you know, some type of labs to make sure you're assessing on, on both sides. We're all, we, always, we love to do labs. We love to get the objective data as well as your subjective information as well. But at the same time, you know, you're testing and, and checking and making sure the levels are where they're supposed to be, that they're not too high, they're not too low. So that, so really, um, you know, both both whether it's static or rhythmic, as long as it's being monitored and you're testing and you're also, you know, conversing with the patient to make sure that it's, you know, it's right for them. But I think, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's a favorite either way. Yeah, right. Yeah. It really depends. As you stated earlier, it really, it's really tailoring it to the woman and what she's looking to accomplish, what her goals are, uh, what her symptoms are, what her lifestyle is. All those factors basically determine which style she's going to use or which philosophy, so to speak, she's going to use. Uh, and then how she responds later, because that's the thing. The first thing you realize with hormone replacement is that every woman is different. Um, some some women need and can tolerate a lot of estrogen. Some women are very sensitive and can't tolerate very much. Uh, so that also factors 
factors into if a woman's very sensitive, rhythmic dosing is not the right thing for her. She's going to probably not feel very good and she might have some unwanted side effects from the rhythmic dosing because the estradiol level is actually quite high around day 12. Um, that might just be too much for some women's sim- uh, systems where she'd be more appropriate on the static dosing. Or maybe, you know, everybody's different. You have an extremely busy lifestyle. You know, you're forgetting to put on your estrogen. You're forgetting what day you're at, you know, because life can be a little, you know, a little wild out there. So if it's, because it is, you have to, you have a calendar. You look at what day you are. Am I on day 12? This is how much estrogen I'm going to put on today. But, oh, I'm on day, you know, 21. This is how much estrogen I'm going to put on and how much more progesterone I'm going to put on. So there is a little bit of a factor of you have to, you know, you have to look at your calendar and know what day it is. So, you know, and, and I do think with the females, it's a little bit more complicated. So when you're getting started on that, we have to have some good communication. We have to have some appointments. We have to keep a log on how you're doing. Where the static dose is a little bit where, you know, you can set them up and they're pretty much ready to go. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't say the rhythmic dosing is necessarily more complicated, but because the dosing is a little bit higher, uh, you know, uh, the first three months, if they've never been on hormones before, usually that's going to be the transition period as your body's acclimating to those higher levels. Uh, and the levels do get quite a bit higher than they do in the static dosing, uh, you know, and for right, you know, for good reason, because we're trying to establish, like you said, you know, that, uh, you know, the restore the hormone levels of a woman that's in her 30s, you know, maybe late 20s, early 30s uh, on a blood test, her estradiol level is going to go up quite high compared to the static dosing. And, you know, Rightly so. Us ladies are complicated, but we're so worth it. So, you know, whether you're doing static or rhythmic, it, you know, it does take a lot, you know, a lot of communication there. But now with the fellas, you guys are not quite so complicated. Doing the rhythmic dosing for the testosterone, I think is awesome. That absolutely, I think in some ways I would say, I would rather do that than the static. The static is fine. And you know, it's, but, but if a fella can do the rhythmic, I think they get so much more out of it. Yeah, totally. I'm not a fan of injectable testosterone. Uh, You know, going into the, you know, going into the clinic twice a month or once a week and getting a big injection of testosterone. Men usually do pretty well the first three to six months on something like that. They feel really good, like almost too good, almost like superhuman good. They feel amazing. And then after that, because hormone replacement is all about maintaining receptor function. We've talked about that on some other episodes. And when they get these huge amounts of hormone right off the bat, their body's not used to it. And eventually those receptors downregulate, meaning they disappear. And if the receptors disappear and you keep providing that same kind of bolus of hormone, eventually the body stops responding to it as a way to kind of protect itself from being overstimulated for too long. Uh, same thing with pellets. I know pellets were kind of popular for a while. They're still there around a little bit. You don't hear about them as much anymore. Uh, but I think that, you know, men don't usually do so well on, on the pellets. It's easy. You get them implanted. Uh, you don't have to do anything once they're in. But again, they feel really good in the beginning. And then they never feel quite as good as they did the first insertion of those pellets. So true. Like you said, the receptors downregulate and they always say, I felt so great in the beginning. Why can't I feel that way now? Or maybe I have to keep increasing up my dose, increasing up my dose to feel like they felt like in the beginning where when with a man, when you're cycling their testosterone, then because it's moving around, um, you know, you're basically cycling it because men cycle their testosterone, just like us ladies cycle our estrogen and progesterone. It's not, you know, your testosterone is changing more on a two week level rather than a 28 day cycle. Men are more 14 days where females are 28 days, but you're still cycling your testosterone. So if you're cycling it, when, when the levels go down, those receptors say, Hey, 
where'd that go? So you up, the body will upregulate the receptors and then you super saturate those receptors with the testosterone. And then they feel, you know, they feel really good. And then you're just, um, you're basically not letting the body get adapted or habituated to the dose. Yeah. You're maintaining that receptor function. You're keeping those receptors open. Uh, and if those receptors stay open on a long-term basis, then you're going to receive the benefit of that hormone as opposed to those receptors, quote unquote, down-regulating and disappear. Once they down-regulate, but you're still giving that same dose or have to increase the dose, you're actually creating in some ways more receptor fatigue or more receptor, you know, you're forcing them to down-regulate even more. That's why I see a lot of men that have gone through some of those other types of therapies and their numbers are just chronically low that we can't get, we can, even with the rhythmic dosing, it's a really difficult, they might feel better, but to get their numbers to come back on a blood test can be very challenging. It usually takes a, a, a few months for the fellas. The first month they're okay, but by month three is when they say they feel really good. And the, you know, Hey, men don't have a uterus, so cycling it, there's really no negative aspect. Like, you know, the females, we have to talk about, Hey, listen, we're going to cycle your hormones and you have a uterus, you're probably going to get a period back. You know, we have to have that conversation with men. It's, you know, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Right. Now, the thing that I like about the males, uh, now this is the, you know, I always say this to my patients, you know, women anyways, uh, that, um, the woman's cycle is based on the lunar calendar. So technically, if you were going to do the rhythmic dosing, you'd start on day one of the lunar calendar, 28 days, follow it through. If a woman's still having her cycle, usually she's going to get off of that schedule a little bit. We live indoors. We don't, you know, we're not living, sleeping under the moon. So we're not really controlled that much like we used to be, uh, you know, uh, but if you look at a male's testosterone rhythm and you overlay that over the female cycle, a woman's ovulation peak right around day 14, 15 is right around where a male's testosterone is going to peak. So a female's libido goes up, a male's libido goes up, and there's more likelihood for intercourse and conception. So in some ways, uh, women rule the world, right? And men follow, even though men like to think that they they <laughs> rule the world, but women actually control men without men even realizing it, which is such a woman thing to do. Uh, you know, so... Uh, it's just kind of like the little trick that women actually do control things uh, from a from a very biological kind of reproductive approach. Um, you know that's why uh, you know uh, men uh, men follow women whether they like to believe that or not. It's it's definitely true. I know they've done some studies around uh, college campuses and nightclubs uh, and trying to determine. Uh, you know, ovulation rates and different things. And it's, uh, you know, it's all done by pheromones and all these things that we don't really understand necessarily all that well. Uh, but the rhythmic dosing is kind of part of that process. So the part that I, you know, my point of kind of extrapolating there is the men's, uh, the man's dose over the course of the 28 days, it, it starts out low in the beginning of the month. It peaks out in the middle of the month and then it lowers back off. So you have this nice rise and a fall. Uh, and then every season, winter, spring, summer, fall, it's the lowest in the winter and it's highest in the fall. So you have this built in, uh, annual cycling, both on a monthly basis and an annual basis, which I think is just brilliant uh, to do it. Women don't necessarily have the annual cycling. Their dose sa- stays the same every month, but there's different levels. So you can start out at, uh, you know, the basic level, and then you could add on a certain number of lines depending on, on her, you know, on her symptom uh, picture. The more severe her symptoms, the more lines you add on. Uh, and then, you know, usually a woman will kind of average, most women kind of average out on the higher end. They don't usually stay on the basic. They 
usually end up somewhere towards the higher end of the dosing range. Yeah, because with the rhythmic dosing, you can, just like with static, you can adjust the dose to fit that individual. And what Dr. Mackey was mentioning, which is really cool, is when you have, you know, a male-female couple come in and they're, you know, want to do the bioidentical hormone replacement, putting them both on the rhythmic dosing, having them coincide their cycles together, it's just really beautiful the way that falls in line. Yeah, right. So you would start the woman on this on a whatever her cycle is, whatever her pattern is, then the man's, uh, you know, cycle would mimic hers. So just like I said, a few minutes ago, women control the world. So she starts off that, uh, that rhythm, especially if she starts menstruating again. Uh, and now you overlay his schedule on top of hers, uh, you know, that as opposed to them just doing kind of too random. Now, granted, that happens sometimes. Usually you and I will see the, the wives first and the, and the husbands will come in later. Uh, so it may be a little bit harder to do that. But again, just they both start on day one uh, or whatever her schedule is, then the husband would start at the same time. And now they're, you know, for the most part, they're kind of uh, um, blended together, at least hormonally from a, you know, from a certain standpoint. Yeah, no, I think it's really neat. Yeah, yeah. And from an anti-aging perspective, again, that's where some of the pushback comes from. Um, you know, for men, the more testosterone they have within reason, the better they're going to feel. The more, uh, you know, the more um, they feel like themselves. They're going to have a better mood. They're not going to be grumpy. They're not going to be depressed. They're going to uh, have more muscle mass. They're going to have less body fat. Uh, they're going to decrease age-related disease like diabetes, heart disease, cancer, dementia, the risk of all those things goes down by maintaining good testosterone levels. Same thing for a woman. Estrogen is what makes a woman a woman. It's not about having too much. It's about one finding as the practitioner is about finding the right dose and making sure that she has enough. Uh, most of the time there's this, you know, in some ways kind of fear around estrogen that, oh, you can't give them too much. It could be dangerous. And we don't really believe in that at all. Uh, the female hormones are never dangerous by themselves. Uh, and it's really more about making sure that she has enough estrogen. So her brain, her body, everything works the way that she wants it to. Uh, instead of being a little bit too conservative and giving her an, a very low dose of hormones, which really doesn't help her get to where she wants to go. Exactly. And then just on a side note with the men and testosterone is taking, you know, taking testosterone, whether you're doing any kind of form, pellets, injections, creams, you know, whatnot, um, is that is going to lower a man's sperm count. Now, for most of the couples that come in together, they're just fine with that because that's not an issue. But, you know, some men may want to, you know, they may want to have a baby or something. So then we usually just have them stop their rhythmic dosing testosterone so that that can get their sperm count to come up. And then, you know, they can procreate and all that jazz. Now, that's not a firm birth control because as Dr. Mackey will tell you is there's been plenty of couples that have gotten pregnant with a man being on testosterone rhythmic dosing. Yeah, technically when you when a man supplements with testosterone of any sort, you're you basically are shooting blanks at that point. Uh, you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, conceive, but it has, you know, oh, yeah. as I say <laughs> that it has happened a couple of times. And in a couple of cases, it was where they had really a lot of difficulty with their previous child. Maybe it was a few years before they had a really hard time. I can think of a couple of cases where they had a really hard time with fertility, uh, put the husband on, worked on the wife first. The husband came in later, months later, uh, put him on on the, uh, you know, the Wiley protocol or the rhythmic dosing Wiley protocol for men. Uh, and within six months, the wife was pregnant and they couldn't believe on how easy it was, even though they had so much trouble before. So technically it's not supposed to happen, but it does, it does happen. Hey, anything can happen. And there's probably a lot of different reasons behind that, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, it, like I said, 
this is where it gets confusing. This is where it gets complicated because there's so many different options. But that's the wonderful part is that you can use all these different uh, options to you know specifically find something that works directly for that particular person. As like you said earlier, you got three different dosing options and you got to pick one of the three for every patient that comes in. Um, that's just so... I don't even know, so archaic and so outdated uh, when there's, you know, when there's all these other possibilities that, uh, you know, can really make people feel better and not just feel better in the short term, but in, as we talked about, because when do people's risk of age-related disease start to increase when all the hormones are gone? When men are in andropause and women are in menopause, all their risks for all those diseases we talked about, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, that all goes up when the hormones disappear. So if we can prolong the the, you know, those hormones to be around for a little bit longer, uh, then we're, you know, we're not only making people feel better in the moment, but we're also preventing disease in the future, which I think, which I think is the best of Mm -hmm. both worlds. Exactly. And I know that when I was, I, I, you know, talked to, I talked to patients about this too. When I was a little boy, uh, you know, 55 was considered a senior citizen. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, maybe in some, uh, I think ARP, it still might be 55 or you're eligible or something. I don't know. Uh, You know, but 65 was considered to be an elderly person when I was little, uh, when we were both little. And now Mm -hmm. we have patients that are 60s and 70s and they're still like moving strong and running circles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're, they're running companies, they're running households, they're doing so many uh, things that um, even, you know, a couple of uh, one generation ago when we were little, uh, that really wasn't really heard of. So people's quality of life is definitely, I would say almost 10 to 20 years different than it used to be when we were little back in the seventies and eighties. Exactly. And people, you know, they want to, whether they're, like you said, running companies or they're retiring, they want to feel good. They want to have energy. They want to have, you know, a good weight. They want to have a good libido, not, you know, feel like they're getting arthritis or, you know, bone density issues or cancer. So we're not saying that this is, you know, some kind of treatment or prevention, you know, disclaimer, disclaimer. But like Dr. Mackey said is when those age-related, they call them age-related diseases, are they really age-related or is it just a fact of the hormones declining? Yeah, right. And medicine, this is unfortunate. In medicine, they don't really put a lot, even though, you know, this declining hormone levels, which is very well documented, everyone knows it happens, but that's where the hormone replacement in a conventional setting doesn't really get discussed very often. I mean, honestly, I mean, some doctors nowadays are testing men's testosterone, but if a woman's in menopause, they won't even bother testing her hormones. Uh, And granted, testing her hormones when she's in menopause doesn't really do much unless she's on hormones because her numbers are going to be, it'll always say less than 30. It might be in the single digits. You know, she's not going to be producing any estradiol. uh, So you can assume if she's not having a period where her hormones are, but you put her on hormones, then you test her levels and you can see the difference. And then of course you get the subjective on how, different she feels. And we've seen some amazing transformations. People come back and tell us, I like, I feel like myself again. I, my mind works, uh, my body is cooperating. Uh, you know, I got a sex life back with my husband. Uh, you know, all these things happen because of the hormones. How can that not be, you know, how can that be a bad thing? And how is it not, uh, you know, an important part of that, you know, of that aging population? Yeah. And nowadays, you know, their doctor, my, and I we hear this all the time, my doctor said, oh, I'm just getting older. That's why I've you know, gained weight, or that's why I feel this way, or this is just normal. I have to deal with it. Nobody needs to do that anymore. Yeah, no. that's, not, that's not an appropriate you know, discussion to say, oh, you're just older. You just have to deal with it. That just doesn't, you know, that just doesn't run right now. Now it's like, hey, what can we do to help with longevity, to help, you know, 
be safe about it at the same time, and then help people feel better. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. in 21st century, um, just you know, attributing everything to the aging process, just like we talked about, um, people want to be active. There's, uh, of course, everybody wants to live as long as they can, uh, you know, for the most part. But it's really about the quality, not the quantity. I think everybody across the board would agree. Instead of living 30 years with some kind of chronic condition that minimizes your quality of life, uh, we want to, you know, we want to go full gusto as for as long as possible. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, uh, that's, a comp- we can accomplish that uh, in the 21st century. I think that that is, um, you know, uh, that's what we all should be striving for. Practitioners should be striving for that across the board as well, is not just being disease free, but thriving in your advanced, uh, advanced years uh, and minimizing some of those things that really tend to slow people down. Uh, so uh, uh, I think we can you know, I think uh, people can understand we're a little passionate about it because you know we see the benefits that it provides people on a regular basis. Exactly. No benefits. My goodness, <laughs> more than that. And granted, what what am I? I'm 47. You're 46. So, like you said, you know, a generation before us, you know, it's just you can't treat it the same. And, you know, we're all, this is it's 2020. It's two, you know, 2020. Things have got to change. Yeah. Right. Uh, so. Uh, we talked a little bit about static dosing. That's still the more common uh, option when it comes to hormone and it's replacement. Still very good. It's yeah. very good. You know, it just depends on the person. Yeah, right. Uh, the rhythmic dosing is a little bit more controversial. Uh, it has some some pros and cons on both sides. Uh, we like it for men. I think it's the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Personally, it's the only way that I do testosterone for men is the rhythmic dosing. I don't even mess around with any of the other ones. I don't really encourage the static dosing with it's where you do uh, a, a testosterone cream. Men can't do anything orally when it comes to testosterone. The doses are too high and it can cause some problems with the liver. Uh, static dosing, let's say a five day on two day off kind of rotation. You can't take it every day uh, because you know men will have some testicular atrophy and you know it's just not a good way to do it uh i you know i like to do the rhythmic dosing for men exclusively for women they have a lot more options uh you know so uh, hopefully this gives some insight hopefully this uh, answers some questions uh and uh you know um maybe if you have more you just let us know we can you know do another kind of round of this of a little bit of a deeper overview or some of the more finer points oh yeah we love everybody's comments questions so I know we talked a lot here, a lot, you know, and a lot of you might not have even heard of rhythmic dosing because it is really not that common. You know, a lot of practitioners don't do it. So if you have any questions or concerns, please reach out, you know, email us anytime. Yeah. So uh, until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. Oh, and I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at ProgressYourHealth.com.